When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well. And also today by Doug Maurice. Doug, how are you? Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> of course. Now, uh, Doug, I, w- I was talking to you before, the, before we came on. And for any Scrubs fans out there, I know there's a lot of them. And they have a great Scrubs podcast, by the way. You should check that out. Um, there's these episodes in Scrubs where JD, the main character, he's the narrator, right? And every now and again, he hands off that narration to someone else. Uh, he taps him on the shoulder and now it's Turk or it's Elliot or somebody else handling the narration. Well, we're going to have one of those episodes today. Uh, we haven't had you on in, in a little bit, Doug. And I was just curious kind of what questions you had for us. And of course, I want to hear your thoughts on those questions too. So we're, we're handing off the narration of this podcast a little bit today uh, to Doug. He's going to ask Mary Kay and I five questions, I think is what you came up with. So I got him. Uh, let's go. Question number I, one. I just would like to say that my college roommate was on Scrubs once, so was I he? am eminently prepared for this. And also for the regular listeners of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast who maybe don't listen to our Buckeye Talk podcast, if I'm being handed off this podcast, I'm louder and more shrill than Dan. <laughs> so be hey, ready. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. I got to ask, though, who was, your, who was your roommate on Scrubs? There was an episode where uh, the three main characters all had interns for okay. an episode and uh my one of my good friends he was sarah chalky's intern that day and he was a jerk oh. so yeah okay. he's an actor and he's a he's a writer in hollywood so all right yeah. okay question number one for mary Kay and dan how much can we really know about how kevin stefanski wants to run an offense based on how things were done in minnesota or is there some assumption that there was enough Kubiak, there was a, my, enough Mike Zimmer overseeing at Minnesota that, you know what, what, what Kevin Stefanski is going to do as a head coach running an offense in Cleveland actually might be somewhat substantially different than what you saw with the Vikings. You know, I, I think he's going to st- stick pretty close to what Gary Kubiak did last year. Uh, just in part, I think, also because – there has been no off season uh, to try to put your own stamp on it. There hasn't really been an opportunity to say, oh, hey, look what I can do with Kareem Hunt. I didn't know he could do that so well. Uh, so I think that he will, by virtue of this virtual off season, uh, I think that he will 
uh, stick very closely to the very tried and true uh, Gary Kubiak offense. I, you know, I think he'll have other elements in there. It'll be very West Coast because everybody that he's really worked with for the most part uh, has been uh, some version of the West Coast. And then he really uh, implemented uh, just the whole Gary thing last year. Now, I think Alex Van Pelt, as the offensive coordinator, will bring in some of his own thoughts and ideas, but I think they have to keep things somewhat simple this year so that they can get off to a strong start. And for me, I just look at what the front office did this offseason. They go out and they sign Jack Conklin, who really fits into that zone blocking scheme. Uh, Jedrick Wills uh, does too. You know, they... uh, they drafted a tight end. They signed a tight end. You know, they, they paid big money to Austin Hooper. They drafted Harrison Bryant. Uh, when David Njoku wanted traded, they basically said, no, we're not going to trade you. We, we want to keep you. They want a lot of tight ends. Um, they, they, they traded for a fullback, and they signed another fullback. So a lot of what they've done kind of goes in line with what we know about Kevin Stefanski's offense from Minnesota and, and how he liked to run it. So you can't really take what this front office did and then say – you know what, we're going to run sort of a spread offense here. We're, we're going to open it up and just go crazy and, and run a Lincoln-Riley-style spread. You've kind of built this to run what Minnesota had last year. And, and that, that also tells me that this thing is going to look very close to that. It's going to look very close to what Kyle Shanahan runs, uh, very close to just that whole tree of offenses. Question two. Oh, we're on to two. The tight ends that you guys were just talking about, I know we've talked a lot about tight ends with the Stefanski offense, obviously. Drafting a tight end, you sign a tight end, you persuade your other tight end not to ask for a trade anymore. Will Odell Beckham's involvement and production go up as a result of using tight ends, Baker liking tight ends, Kevin Stefanski leaning on tight ends? How much will the tight how will the tight ends influence Odell? And I know I think Jarvis is gonna get his probably one way or another. But sometimes I wonder with all the tight end talk, it's uh, and maybe I'm looking at it wrong, which is why I'm asking the experts. I think, well, they still got this guy. They still have Odell. I love a uh, great Austin Hooper, great. David Njoku, great. Also Odell. So I'm having trouble processing what all the tight end talk means for. Odell Beckham's usage in 2020 compared to his usage in 2019? Well, you know, it's, it's the big X factor that nobody really knows the answer to. And, and when we talked to Kevin Stefanski before he left for his summer break, even he was trying to leave, uh, trying to figure out how he was going to divvy up the pie and get the ball to all these different people. But I think uh, the fact that the tight ends uh, will be used so much in the passing game, it, it does seem to me that, it would open things up for Odell Beckham Jr. And with the play action, it should leave things open for him. I don't think that uh, you can sit on him as much as you did or roll coverage to him maybe as much as you did in the past. I feel like uh, he he should have more opportunities. The question is, though, Baker has to go where he feels most comfortable with the ball. He, He absolutely has to do that. So I, you know, I 100% think uh, that it will be predicated on who he really feels like is in the right place at the right time and is going to catch the ball for him and make a play at that moment. I think I think there's a point guard element to it, right? The the Baker is going to be put in a position where he's going to be able to sit back and distribute the football. Um, but I also think 
you know, just because you have Austin Hooper now who, who had a bunch of catches last year, you know, I mean, Julio Jones always got his in Atlanta, right? No matter how many catches Austin Hooper had, you know, these receivers can get their touches. They can get their catches. I, I to me, what I'm most curious about isn't as much Odell because I do think his production will be there. His catches might be down maybe, but I think, the explosive plays, touchdowns, things like that, you might have a year where that yardage kind of bounces back because by Odell standards, he's sort of had a couple of down years in a row. So maybe he ends up with 1,200 yards or, or 1,300 yards and maybe not quite as many catches, but more explosive plays, more scoring plays. Um, I, I think that's – I think that's – I'm not real worried about Odell, to be honest with you. Uh, if If I had to be worried about somebody – you know, maybe I'd be worried about how many touches a David Njoku can actually get. Or I'd be worried about, you know, who is Kareem Hunt going to take touches away from? And is that a good or a bad thing? Um, I, I don't know if I'm real – I don't know if I'm real worried about Odell. I mean, I, I would ask both of you the same thing. Are you, are you worried about Odell getting his touches in, in reality when you kind of close your eyes and think about this offense? So I will say this, and I, I always thought any discussion about, like, Oh, there's too many good players. How do you divide up who gets the ball? It's like, again, like what? You have too many good players. That's your problem. Ohio State in 2015 had too many good offensive players. They had Michael Thomas. They had Ezekiel Elliott. They had Curtis Samuel. They had Braxton Miller. They had so many guys, and they were so worried about, like, dividing it up fairly. They didn't just run the offense, and that talent-laden offense looked like crap for, like, nine weeks and then lost a game it never should have lost. So that opened my eyes to the idea of there actually kind of can be a thing if you don't do it right about dividing it up. So would I say that I'm worried about Odell? Not worried, but when I think about, well, and Kareem Hunt's in, in question three, but when I think about Kareem Hunt, I think about adding Austin Hooper, and I think Jarvis is always going to get his. And then I think, well, at his best, this guy should be one of the five best receivers in the league. I'm curious about it because – you can't force it, but I also sometimes can't exactly wrap my head around how it's all just going to naturally flow and keep everybody happy. Well, here's the other thing to consider is that uh, he really wants to come in and have a monster year. We have heard him say this. Uh, you know, he dyed the hair back. Uh, my lead was he, a season to die for. Um, you know, he... <laughs> <Look at> he... <laughs> so good. Plug for my lead. Um, you know, he, he really wants to come in and, and be an elite receiver, as he said. You know, these guys that get 2,000 targets, 150 catches, and all that kind of stuff. So that's what he's kind of got going on in his mind as he heads into this season. Uh, so if, if that's not happening for him, uh, you know, I do wonder how that's all going to play out. Uh, we know that Stephon, uh, Stephon Diggs was not happy uh, with his role in the offense that Kevin Stefanski was running. He's not even in Minnesota anymore. So, you know, I, I do think it's something to keep an eye on. The one place where I think that he can pick up a lot of ground where he just wasn't good enough last year, wasn't targeted enough and didn't make enough of an impact was in the red zone and in the end zone. He needs to catch more touchdown passes. If he's catching double digit touchdown passes, I just think that that means that the Browns are scoring the football to the point where they're winning games and in the playoffs. But, but one thing I, I definitely don't want to see, and I, it was really one of the problems with the offense last year, especially early, is that forcing of the football to Odell. So this is, so this is where Kevin Stefanski kind of has to, to make his money, or Alex Van Pelt, whoever's calling the plays, really have to make their money, is figuring out 
especially early in the game, how do I get this guy involved and happy so that when it really counts, you know, in the second half, in the fourth quarter, we don't care who's getting the football. We just care that the football is moving and that we're running the offense. But I'm willing to maybe, I don't want to say throw a play away, but I'm, I'm willing to maybe experiment with a quick screen to Odell just to get the ball in his hands, give him an opportunity to do something. You know, it was one thing that, that actually in 2018, I've said this before, but I thought Freddie was really good at with Jarvis Landry. He'd give him a play, even if it was a, an end around or just a quick screen, something like that, to just put, put the football in his hands and let him do something. Um, so sometimes as an offensive coordinator, that's kind of what you have to do. It's sort of like in basketball, making that point guard analogy. Yeah, you don't want to throw, throw the ball into the post every play, but every now and again, you got to give that big man that just gets a bunch of rebounds an opportunity to back his guy down, even if, even if he's not going to score. You just got to give him his opportunities. It, it was odd. There were enough games last year where you came away from the game thinking, A, they forced the ball to Odell in that game, and B, Odell didn't get the ball enough. Right. Like, how can that be the case? But, like, sometimes that's what it felt like. Question three. How would you describe how Kareem Hunt's duties will be divvied up in how he's used? How often will he be a third receiver? How often will he be in the backfield with Nick Chubb? And how often will he be the tailback instead of Nick Chubb? And maybe there's some other thing you want to throw in there. But if those are the main three ways Kareem Hunt's going to be used, what's like the percentage for each group of those ways to do it? Dan, you can take this one. At the outset. <laughs> Terry, Terry Pluto has called me Kareem Hunt's agent this <laughs> offseason. I am endlessly intrigued with Kareem Hunt. I, I think when we talk about the Browns' third receiver, I think we start. I think you have to start with Kareem Hunt. Um, I, I think that's one of the really easy ways to get him on the field. When you go three wide, you can put him out wide. You can put him in the slot. Uh, I thought him and Baker had a really nice connection. So if we're talking percentages, I would imagine we're going to see him – probably lined up as some type of receiver, even if he motions out of the backfield, I would say at least half the time, because I, I don't think you're going to take Nick Chubb off the field a bunch. So, you know, let's say they divvy up the carries 80, 20. Um, so I guess we, we would say 20% as a running back, that might even be a bit much. Uh, and then he'll get to spend time in the backfield too. And I'm really bad at putting percentages on it, but I would start with receiver first, uh, in the backfield with Nick Chubb second, and then spelling Nick Chubb third. And who knows, we might even see some tight end work too. You know, he did a little bit of that last year. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree with you that it would probably shake out that way because Nick has established himself as that workhorse back that, you know, that just almost, you know, that every down back that can just get that tough yard for you but let's not forget Kareem Hunt won the rushing title as a rookie so he's a he's a tremendous runner in his own right and you know there just might be different matchups from week to week where you say you know look Kareem Hunt does this a little better against this kind of a defense and therefore it would be advantageous for us to have him on the field to create those kinds of mismatches, whether it be catching the ball out of the backfield or whatever the case may be. So he's more versatile. And therefore, I think uh, they're going to have to uh, really throw out what they know about everything and go by who gives them the best opportunity to make yards and, you know, to move the football 
on game day and not go with, you know, loyalties and different things like that. They can do so many things with these guys. And again, I mean, you've got, uh, like you mentioned, some tight end that, that um, Kareem could possibly play. There's hybrid things. There's H back type of role that he could play fullback. You could play them in the wishbone, uh, split them out, uh, play them in the slot. So you can do so many different things with him. I think the thing that they are going to like about him, if his head is on straight, like really straight this year, is the fact that uh, he does lend ambiguity to whether or not you're running the ball or you're passing the ball. And I know that is very high on Kevin Stefanski's list. I, I know yep. going back to last year too, um, when they were struggling in the red zone, whatever they were trying to do in the red zone never fit with Nick Chubb. It, ju it just never did. And kind of all of a sudden when Kareem Hunt came back, there were some times when they would put him in the backfield. And I remember the Cincinnati game. So Chubb breaks off a big run uh, to start the third quarter. They get into the red zone. Kareem Hunt finished that drive. And I think the type of back he is fit what they wanted to do last year in the red zone a little more. And I just, look, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I've, I've got to deal with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Nick Chubb and, and some of these other guys, I just hate the idea of seeing 27 walk on the field. And like you said, Mary Kay, a former rushing title winner, if all things were right, Kareem Hunt would be a featured back still in Kansas City and be top 10 running back in the NFL, maybe even higher. So, you know, he's here because of the circumstance, but he's still a really good football player. And I would just hate as a defensive coordinator to have to have done all this planning. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now here comes 27. I got to figure out what to do with that guy. All right, let's go defensive side of the ball. Question can we, can four. We, can we stop here before question four? And I'm, we're going to take this is, this is my podcast. Please let me ask the questions <laughs> as I please. Go ahead. I'm going to tell everybody about Football Insider. And then when we come back, we'll have questions four and five from Doug. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider. I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and uh, you know see maybe that there's further information in you know one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see you know my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial or even easier since it is a text service pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Now back to our show. 
I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I will again hand the keys over uh, very frighteningly to Doug. <laughs> Questions four and five about the Browns. I'm going to hit the curb. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Question four. Is Olivier Vernon good? <laughs> yes. You know what? The, in its simplest form, the answer to that is yes. Olivier Vernon is a very, very good football player. He grades out very highly on profootballfocus.com, which, you know, the Browns do, they, you know, their rankings for things, if they're not using that site, it really seems that uh, whatever they're using or doing matches up really closely to with what football pro football focus has because a lot of the decisions that they make you know I look on there and it seems like oh well hmm that guy was ranked high against the run or whatever the case may be but I think that that O is a very very good football player and he he just cannot stay healthy or hasn't been able to stay healthy uh, so hopefully for him this year he will be able to do that because uh, you know, when he and Miles were off the field in, in the second half of the season, it really went south. I think he can help bring out the best in Miles and vice versa. Right. He didn't have huge numbers last year overall, uh, you know, when it came to sacks and, and some of the traditional stats. But I think when you watched, you, I saw a guy that was making an impact. And, and I know, you know, a couple times last year when uh, – Tosh was available, I'd bring up Vernon, and, and he would kind of rave that they actually, you know, some of their internal stats had him rated very highly. And you, you mentioned pro football focus. Uh, so remember, he only played in 10 games. It's very telling that, that Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon are still among the team leaders when they both only played in 10 games last year. But he was uh, fourth on the team in total pressures. Uh, he was tied for second on the team in hits. Uh, quarterback hits and he was third on the team in hurries uh, so he certainly had an impact in those 10 games and I think as much as the Browns missed Miles Garrett obviously over those final six games I, th I think they missed Olivier Vernon too because it's just different when Chad Thomas is the other guy uh, or Porter Gustin or whoever else you want to throw out there is that other guy on the line that's what I was going to say. It's like, you're saying, well, he ranked third on the team. It's like, well, who, who would have passed him? Right. Chad Thomas? Who, who would have done it better? It's like, well, it's only so far he could fall, statistically, on the Browns, at least. Well, you know what? Have, having said that, and again, I do think that he is a very good football player, and I've talked to people about, oh, uh, that, you know, personnel-type guys, scout-type people, and they agree with that assessment. Uh, but having said that, I have advocated over the past several weeks uh, that I would trade for Yannick Nagakwe from the Jaguars. He's 25 years old. I think you can get him for a decent price. Uh, I think he would cost some money in, in a redo, um, but I think that he and Miles would give you two really excellent bookends for the next five, six years, and, uh, and, and I just think that that would be a, a really great way to go. And then, but, and then Vernon fits in there how? Just that you have three good ends this year and then Vernon's out of here after yes. that and you can mm -hmm. rotate? Yes. Um, yeah. Vernon would not be part of the mix after this year or as Scott Pasco, when I brought this up the other day, uh, so aptly uh, came up with the idea <laughs> of trading O to the Jaguars in the deal to bring Yannick here. So that works too. And I do think it's important when we talk about Vernon that is, I mean, look, this is a one-year deal, right? This isn't going to be, they're going to extend him for five years after this year. Right? They're, they're going to have to address that position long-term somehow. Um, but 
Vernon kind of buys them time, assuming he stays healthy. That's, that's really the, the only question with him. He hasn't been able to stay healthy in recent years. Uh, he, he buys them time because you only have so many draft picks. You only have so much money. He buys them time to kind of address that position on the other side of Miles. Part of ability is availability. So, true. I mean, you have to factor that in. And I do, I mean, obviously the question is colored. I think Brown's fans, a lot of, I mean, you know, he makes a lot of money. They traded Kevin Zeitler to get him. And they still, I mean, it's like, you know, that was kind of a hole that was created to get a guy who's going to fill a thing. And then he didn't play. And he only played 10 games. And like, he was fine. I don't know. I, I, I get it. I'm not saying he's bad. Um, but I was also, I mean, it's like the clowny talk, you know, you're advocating for a trade, Mary Kay. It's like, you know, if I'm a dude, if people were saying we should trade for a new Ohio State podcast host, and then someone said, well, is the guy who's doing actually good? It's like, well, he's, I guess he's kind of good, but we can trade for somebody better. I don't know. So, okay, I'll he'll take your us, word for he'll it. He'll get us through the next year. Yeah, he'll get I us also, through it. I also like podcast. to point out that it, it is worth noting they did sign Adrian Claiborne, too, to that two-year deal. Um, older guy but at least he gives them some depth behind Vernon as well so if Vernon is is unable to stay healthy at least you have a guy uh, that has produced all right so we'll get to question number five and this is when I've been on with Les Levine and Dave Bacon this is the only thing I've answered this question 19 times (laughs) I think it's the only thing they ask me about related to the Browns because they know why would you ask Doug when we could ask Dan and Mary Kay does it matter that the linebackers stink or at least aren't proven. My answer every time, it's like, well, the linebackers are young. They don't have anybody experience there. You don't know how it's going to go. And I, my answer, it's a rote answer at this point, is you can't be good everywhere. You have to count on some of your younger, cheaper guys to help you out somewhere if you're going to have a bunch of old, expensive guys. or not even old guys, but expensive guys. And I'd rather be young and inexpensive at linebacker than young and inexpensive at corner or – on the offensive line or at receiver. So I'm fine. Somebody will, somebody will emerge. I mean, they drafted these guys in the middle rounds. Someone's supposed to step up. So I am 0% freaked out about are the linebackers going to be any good? And plus, I think there's only going to be two on the field most of the time anyway. Should I be more worried about the linebackers than I am? Because I don't care about the linebackers. I think it's fine. Taki Taki or Wilson or Phillips or whatever, it's fine. Well, you know, I, I think you, you make a good point. They, they agree with that. I mean, if they had wanted to put more resources into the linebacking core, they would have done that. Uh, they chose from an analytic standpoint, because they are very detailed, obviously, in that way, not to put the money into that position. They put it in, they're willing to put it into guys that can get to the quarterback. They're willing to uh, put it into guys that can prevent the quarterback from, uh, from completing a pass to a wide receiver or, or who can intercept the quarterback. They're not really willing to put it into the linebackers. And as you mentioned, two linebackers on the field most of the time. They will play a lot of sub-defenses. They will play uh, like a big nickel uh, package with Grant Delpit in there. They'll play some dime. So the, the linebacker spot, you know, they should have enough bodies to accomplish the job. They'll find out soon enough if anybody's at, if they have two good enough ones to be on the football field and, and not be a liability, uh, you know, that, that we don't really necessarily know yet, but it's just not a position that they're willing to invest a lot of resources in at this time. Mary Kay, you're right. They are going to find out soon enough because they open their season on September 13th in Baltimore. 
So we're going to find out very, very quickly if the Browns have good enough linebackers matched with their defensive line and their secondary to deal with Lamar Jackson. I mean, that, that's a pretty good test, I, I think, for a linebacking core. Obviously, you're counting on your athleticism and Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and, and the guys you brought in in the middle. You're counting on your safeties to be able to come up in the box and help. But that, to me, is a game in particular that I look at and say, you got to have some linebackers that, if nothing else, can just come up and make some tackles and come up and make some plays. I'm really curious. I've called him the forgotten draft pick so much that I've talked myself completely into him. I want to see Jacob Phillips and and see what he can do. Uh, They picked him in the third round, so that that tells you something. Um, And and I want to see if Mac Wilson, if his uh, offseason of Instagrams, really has led to him becoming that taking that next step you know all that work he's he's shown us that he's put in if, if it's led to him taking that next step and, and kind of cleaning up some of the issues he had last year uh, because experience matters as, as you've said Mary Kay the fact that he got to play all those games and start all those games it, it can't hurt to have that uh, but we're going to find out about this linebacking core very very quickly when, when they have to face Lamar Jackson right off the bat you know, and, and I, I also think it's interesting too Sorry, um, I think it's interesting, too, that, you know, the Browns have sort of devalued the position. And for whatever reason, you know, we know Pittsburgh always, like, makes a big deal about linebackers, right? It's just all they always manage to go out and, you know, they traded up to get a linebacker a couple drafts ago, which is something they never do. Uh, Baltimore, for whatever reason, they they love that linebacking group. They love to have strong linebackers. And and the Browns have sort of – the Browns – it seems like they've devalued the position, kind of zagging off the rest of the division. I, I just find that that I don't think it means anything necessarily. I just I just find it interesting. I was just going to say real quick, they have guys that can play the roles that they need them to play uh, at that position. They've got you know B.J. Goodson, he can stop the run. I mean, they've got Mac Wilson, cover tight end. You know, they've got different guys that can do the different things that they need them to do when they get in that kind of a particular front against a certain scheme. I just got done doing a two and a half hour Ohio State podcast <laughs> on this Wednesday. So I'm going to throw in a bonus question for you guys real Ooh. quick. We talked about this at Ohio State a couple weeks ago. We, we did, we have call it Market Down Monday, where we have our tech subscribers make strong stances and we try to do the same. We did, how many games will Ohio State end up playing in this regular season? <laughs> Trying to figure out the ins and out of COVID-19 and assuming positive tests, assuming some postponements, postponements for any sport that's not doing it in a bubble how many regular season games will the browns play are you guys are you confident that you know what they'll figure it out they'll get through 16 or how much room would you leave open for like well you know what i mean like every maybe that will get to the postseason but you might not get there with everyone playing 16 where are you guys on that dan i i am i go back and forth over and over again but the more I've thought about it and the more that I think we're seeing this you know teams reporting and you know we're recording this on Wednesday we got to talk to JC Treader today uh they they put a lot of protocols in place I just think the NFL is the one league that is going to kind of be willing to say hey you know what guys are going to get sick we're going to do everything we can to prevent it and it's as cold as it sounds it's going to be next man up a little bit that's sort of the NFL culture. So I, I'm still a little nervous that this thing might not work, but it's hard for me to say that they aren't going to play 16 games. You know, now there's a chance we get to October or November and, and this thing 
I mean, I guess it's safe to say it's kind of blowing up now, but maybe it blows up even more, you know, but I just, the NFL, considering they've got the union, all of this collective bargaining power, uh, all of that, and they are stubborn enough that I think if they can get 16 games in, they're going to get 16 games in. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. This is the NFL. They are determined to forge ahead. They are determined to set the tone. They are determined to just plow forward with this whole thing and have their season. They've maintained that from day one. They've never wavered about that. And, and I, I think that they will pull it off. Although I'll say this, it also wouldn't shock me if it's September 13th and we aren't playing a football game. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's just sort of how this feels right now. I mean, you ask me to make a prediction, I say, yes, they'll, they'll get 16 in, but I would not be shocked if we're sitting on September 13th wondering when this season might start. All right, great show for Dan Lobby and Mary Kay Cabot. I'm Doug Maurice. Oh, wait. That's, hey, sorry that's my that. line. All right, you know, Dad. Doug, here, I'll give you the keys back. Thanks for letting me take it around the block. You, you kind of foreshadowed a little bit. I was a little worried that, that when I handed this off to you, we might be doing this two and a half hours later. <laughs> I mean, do you want to go two and a half? It is paining me, the idea that this podcast is probably ending in the next 30 seconds. What? This is not how I traditionally roll. <laughs> one of these days we'll have to do a Buckeye talk, orange and Brown crossover, like four hour pod. <laughs> so good. I mean, we could do an hour 45 on Denzel Ward. Uh, you name, you name the day. I'm ready. All right. Some other time for Doug and Mary Kay. I'm Dan. Make sure you guys are subscribed everywhere to this podcast. Uh, Google play, Apple podcasts, all that stuff. See, I'm all thrown off. Subscribe to Football Insider as well. Check out that info I gave you earlier or head to cleveland.com slash browns. Now for Doug and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.